Um, but welcome back to episode number 34, I believe. Um, let me pick up this mic. I might have the audio all fucked up, but we'll see. I'm playing <laughs> with it. I got two, I got both the mics hooked up again. This one, this one picks up really well. Um, so it's good picking up from like, I don't know. It's a great fucking mic. And this is like my little, my little Hell wand. Yeah. Uh, I don't know Got what. Wand. Little, like my little stand. Your I little magic little wand. Yes, bro. <laughs> I get to wave this shit and like talk right into it. I love it. Um, <laughs> but on the Jagoff Hour today, we have the one and only, we have the, the, the dynamic and durable Dr. Uncle No-No. What's up, guys? Thank you for having me at the drag off hour. Thanks <laughs> for dragging off with us today, bro. Yeah, man. Love uh, it. Love it. But, um, and as always, we have the man, the myth, the thunder thighs. We have El Hogwire himself. And today, unfortunately, Izzy is not here. Uh, so I'm not going to be shit talking him this. No. <laughs> shout out him, bro. He is in Georgia right now supporting us. We'll still sister. shit talk him. Why not? Yeah, shout out him, bro. He just can't say nothing today. He'll say something tomorrow or the next day. He'll say it as sparring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say it when we're doing uh, I heard you, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> bro, that man is so dangerous. He uh, looks dangerous. Bro, he is so fucking. He's so intelligent. But calm and collective. He's so intelligent, bro. So, in, like, so patient, so intelligent. He has, like, such a good, like, high fight IQ. Um, and he is so fucking clean, bro. Yeah. Like, I saw him... He knows go- what he's going for. Yes, man. He knows what he's doing. He inspires the shit out of me. Nice. Uh, he really, like... <laughs> watching him, bro, I, it makes me, like, I need to go harder. I need to do more. I need to do more. Uh, I love that dude. Well, he could really crush it in, uh, in uh, Cornhole. And yeah, Frisbee. I think that was his first time. I think he said, or maybe it was his girlfriend's first time. But they like legitimately playing. Yeah, yeah, and he played well, very well. Picked it up real quick. Mm-hmm. We still whooped him though. <laughs> he told me he's like, your friend. He's like your friend. Your friend whooped up on me in cornhole real bad. He said it's like six to twenty-one. <laughs> I think that might have been the final score, but uh, I don't know. We had a lot of fun. It was great. I love it, man. It's about the only way I could whoop him, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, he is so dangerous. We because we spar all the time. We train all the time. He's one of my favorite training partners. Uh huh. And he is so intelligent. And like, with him, the only way I can like spar him and keep up with him is to do like, like play my game. Like I. He has such a clean game, I have to disrupt it. And the only way I can disrupt it is, like, being a crackhead. I'm going <laughs> after it, huh? This attack, attack, it's attack. Kind of, yeah. So, my, like, gold, like, golden zone is, like, just going in and out, in and out, in and out. Uh, because I go back and forth, back and forth. I switch between, like, close strikes, like, knees, elbows, to long strikes. Like, jabs, crosses, teeps. A lot. Uh, and when I do that, I'm like really in my shit. But sometimes I'll try and play too close. And then I'll get tripped up doing silly shit. Uh, or I'll play at range because I'm a really intelligent fighter at range. But against taller, lankier opponents like Isaac and a, 
couple other dudes. You gotta get on the inside. You have to get on the inside. You have to be aggressive, push the pace. But like with Isaac, he is so good everywhere. Like I just have to constantly go back and forth and make it like chaos, controlled. Chaos. Yeah, I got. Yeah. Um, if I try and play too patient, he learns, and he'll catch on to like whatever the fuck you're trying to do, and it's awesome. But long story short. <laughs> Isaac's not here today. <laughs> Isaac's not here today. <laughs> Shout out to him. Uh, and today, dude, we have you. Like, dude, you're such an interesting person to me because you're honestly, you're like a pioneer in like the cannabis world. Uh, that's how my mom would say it, at least. <laughs> <laughs> for, for my generation, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I know you definitely wouldn't be able to even come close to telling it to me in like not even a fucking day bro because you've done some crazy shit i've heard some crazy stories and some cool ass shit uh can you hit me with like just like uh like a little like man like a little story bro like how how did you become who you are today hit me with it how did I become who I am today? Take me through the timeline, bro. Let's, let, let's start with how uh, cannabis became medicine for me. You know, uh, when I was about 14 years old, uh, I also uh, am a very competitive person, and I played sports. Well, I got a football injury, head injury, that caused me to get epilepsy. You know, so I have epilepsy. And uh, that said, um, two years into having epilepsy, I got caught smoking weed by my friend's father, um, who happened to be uh, a brain doctor. And he kind of pulled me aside, and we didn't really talk to him much because he was Pakistani, and he was a doctor. He was gone all the time. And, you know, his son being uh, uh, American Pakistani, it was crazy. It was crazy, you know. He was my buddy Justin was a wild one, and we rock and rolled and whatever. So we didn't really talk to his dad much. Yes. Didn't know him well, you know. He's just uh, his dad. Anyway, he pulled me aside and told me how they were learning about the endocannabinoid system, and I'm like, "What?" Oh, I love this. <laughs> yeah, and he said that cannabis was good for epileptics, and this was, I think, this was 1994 or 95. It was in that frame, time frame. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. And, you know, I was using cannabis recreationally. It was in the beginning of my era. I was like yeah. 16, 15 years old. And uh, and when he told me that, I actually had something that I was super duper interested in other than sports, you know, and competitive things. That was my favorite thing to do was play sports. So when I started learning about cannabis, uh, you know, it it sent me on this. Yeah, smoking with a a match. Yes. Yeah. Burn it or burn yourself. Facts. So learning about how good cannabis is uh, by wanting to use it for medicine for my epilepsy, um, I found out everything about cannabis and I and sadly I found out that you know big business is a part of our government and it kind of runs the government and they they change the way we live for profit and I found that by 
using cannab- learning that cannabis was medicine, and it sent me on this pathway of me wanting to tell the world, and me being very upset with the people that run our country for misleading us. Tell you know, I thought, you know, I'm a product of my parents, the American dream, and America, 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 the great, the great, the great. Well, to cunt, to find out all the lies and the deception that they created, it destroyed me as a patriot. And I'm still a patriot. I'm an earthling first. I love this planet. And I'm from America. You know? But when it comes down to it, the planet's first. That's something first. an alien would say, by the way. Well, I mean... <laughs> no, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> we all come from somewhere. No bad, no, fu- no foul. <laughs> you know? Uh... I did run for president in the galaxy at one time, so... <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> you say I'm an alien, I'm just from another planet, bro. <laughs> hurry, hurry. Keep going, keep going, my bad. But that's how I became who I was, and not was. Uh, I, you know, I believe in cannabis, and I serve that plant like some people serve Jesus Christ, because I truly know what it will do for community, and not just community, but for the world. And that'll clean the air, the water, the ground, and it'll stop so much mental slavery and it'll allow us to be free thinkers again and focus more on what's in front of us rather than planning for the future or dwelling on the past. You know, and it's a healthy, sustainable lifestyle using that plant for everything that we can use it for. So that's how I became what I am because you know everyone said it was the devil's lettuce well that's only because we were lied to as a society as a planet for a hundred years what are the like have you ever seen any of those old commercials from like the 30s or the 40s I forget when they're from like whenever the, the TV first started going around about using like hemp weed like you know, I haven't really... No, I haven't. But I know Reefer Madness. I know that. Yes. The movie. But I don't really recall the uh, uh, the commercials. So, I'm trying to find it real quick. So, you might hear some typing. But... Uh, was this for uh, Hemp for Victory? Stuff? Yes. Type stuff, yeah. Yeah, and that's when they forced the farmers uh, that had more than 10 acres to use 10% of their land to grow hemp for the government is that right something like that yeah absolutely and it was seen as like a miracle plant um, and it is you know i got a great analogy uh for cannabis and humans you know and and we claim and i do believe we are king of the animal world we rule the, the animal kingdom that said cannabis would be the queen of the plant world and our queen you know and together we have a lifestyle that if we used each other uh for what we're useful for uh we would clean the air the ground and the water and live sustainable lives uh without so much excess of destroying the planet to find a new way yeah. You know, because, I mean, cannabis does everything oil does, except you can grow it, and you can't, you, you can't suck it out of the ground, you know. You can make, it's the strongest natural fiber on the face of the planet, uh, 
plant fiber. I think uh, spider web's stronger, but uh, not too many other things are stronger. Except the jag, of course. Oh. The jag. <laughs> um, that's wild, man. Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting plant. Um, because I have... I came from the side uh, thinking just like weed, weed and drugs were very bad. And I was like, I was like, never, never. And then like, as we started, like, as we hit puberty, basically like 13, 14 years old, uh, when my friends would try, would start trying it. And I was like, bro, no, that's bad. And then like, I just like always leave the room whenever weed was involved uh, because I just always thought of it as bad because like the previous experience I had with it was uh, my best friend Logan when I was like he was my best friend all through like childhood up until he passed in 8th grade uh, so up until like 14 sorry to hear that bro yeah he, he was cool man uh, but it was it's definitely it, it's been interesting man uh, because he fought like DIPG, which is like an inoperable brain tumor or whatever the fuck those are. Uh, and it's like a rare form of brain tumor. And he ended up like, the way weed was introduced is he was taking RSO, like a gram a day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was going hard, like just. He was how old? He was my age, so he was a little younger because he was born right in the start of 01. Uh, so he, if I was 14, he was 13. Mm -hmm. And when I was 13, he was, he was either 13 or 12, some shit like that. So that was about 10 years ago, 12? Yeah, it's close yeah. to 10, close yeah. to 10. Um, uh, it'll be 10 in December since he's passed. So he's taking RSO and... A gram a day, and it started killing the tumor from the inside out. Yeah, uh, I heard they like turns the uh, tumor it cannibalizes and it starts eating itself. It was wild man. Yeah. Uh, because it had gotten really big. Like he had a stroke and like half his body was paralyzed and he was like learning how to walk again and then like as he's taking like the oil, it's helping his brain so much. He's just constantly, like he feels much better. He ate so much more. He would he would always be like ramen. <laughs> They had like one of those like boiling water things that you just press and it's, and he's like just I want some ramen <laughs> and yeah um, <clears throat> but it it was killing the tumor from the inside out uh, mm. and it was completely crazy and then they they weren't able to afford it anymore uh, because they weren't getting as much support from like everybody around but they got support from like everywhere it was like huge local news and shit it was yeah. wild uh, but uh, he fought for like 11 months and weed was the one thing that like pulled him out of that hole so I like believed yeah. the only reason you should use it is if you absolutely need it and when I started seeing people just use it all the time I didn't understand like the effects it has on you like just moment to moment or like if that makes any sense like i saw what it did for my best friend but when any, everybody so else, when you were young you were kind of like you were under the influence that it was uh, not a good thing and then you realized it's medicine and now you're saying it's great for recreational use from throughout the day to 
feel good or something man feel something i think it's a really powerful way to reflect yeah yeah it's a really powerful way to observe like something from a different perspective because you're not like Kobe's about to start barking. He's like, dude, you look at me right now, motherfucker. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's something to give you a new perspective on your behavior, your actions, whatever it be. New or just open it up to... Open it, change to it. To be more like free thinking. Yes. Kobe, get down. What are you doing? <laughs> right. He's doing whatever he wants, man. Dude, shout out Kobe, bro. Yeah. But yeah, man, uh, Megan and Noah, Megan's uh, baby daddy, my sister's baby daddy, Mike, and my brother Noah, uh, they paid me $150 the night before we went to the beach to do it for the first time because I was like so against it. And they, they made me do a bong twice like I, I cleaned it twice by myself and this was how long ago oh, dude it was when I was like 17 okay um, 8 years ago or so 5 5 yeah. oh you're 22 yeah okay yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um, like I had two bongs and they were, they were like bro you're not hitting it right you gotta do more you gotta do more you know, pulling it in, right? I was, like, on the porch just coughing my lungs out. Oh, shit, like, yeah. Like, throwing up, and I was drinking, like, cups and cups of milk. Bong rips, man, for your first time. Woo-wee. And it was, like, a two-foot bong. It was a two-foot bong uh, that they had called the Ripper. I hit a seven-foot bong once. That's oh, my crazy. God. It knocked me into the cold sweats, bro. Like, what is this? Oh, I was... That had to have been, like, high school era like senior year or maybe just after graduating yeah and uh we were at my buddy's house and they had a loft right so we would somebody would be down in the living room on the couch lighting and packing the bong and someone would be in the loft hitting it (laughs) holy shit man i tell you it took like five breaths to fill it up and i don't think anybody ever cleared it maybe they did i can't remember but i was so fucking high that I had the cold sweats. I'm sitting there on the couch like a crackhead, like, ugh, trying to figure out when I'm going to come down. Yeah. <laughs> Sweating and just freezing. That's fucking wild, bro. <laughs> oh, shit. That was a lot of fucking weed, man. Yeah. I think it... I'm not a bong guy, although, you know, I can... I enjoy a soft little bong rip here and there. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't enjoy dying. <laughs> I don't cough to get off, man. Yes, yeah. bro. You know? But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that fucking seven-footer, man, it knocked me into the last week. (laughs) That's crazy, bro. That's huge. Yeah. Um, But yeah, dude, we did uh, two bongs, and then there was a joint, a blunt, a roach, and uh, then Noah whipped out his dab rig. So you guys were getting lit. (laughs) I I was like fucking... I was like fighting the feelings. I remember I was like, this shouldn't feel this good. This shouldn't feel. And then I was like, I shouldn't feel this good. <laughs> and then I just started like, I, I leaned back on my hands and they just started slowly getting wider and wider. And then I'm like laying on the ground, like smiling. I'm like, damn, this feels good as fuck. Oh. Uh, like I, I hit the dab, I hit the dab rig and 
after I drank so much milk, they were like, you gotta save some milk for, milk for the, milk for, uh, Ayla when she grows or, or wakes up or whatever. (laughs) Got all philosophical, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh. And, uh. Then I, I just, they were like, water will help you. We were kidding with the milk, but water will help you. Yeah. So I just started drinking a bunch of cups of water in between everything because I'm like dying. And I was always taught sugar, candy, bakery, baked goods. Yeah. But, uh, and then literally like I hit the dad break and all that shit just like came up on my lap. And like immediately when it came up on my lap, I took a big deep breath up and then everything good hit me at one time. I was like, you know what? I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. I'm like chilling, bro. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was weed. Uh, Laid back. It's such a good feeling. It's wild. <laughs> and it really, it really paid me 150 bucks to smoke weed for the first time. Well, I think uh, it was money well spent. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> I think you owe him one. <laughs> Dude, I do my best. I do my best. Uh, <laughs> But dude, what got you into like glass blowing? Because you're, for those that don't know, you uh, run GlassX, which is an amazing glass blowing company. And yeah. Yeah, so, you know, uh, wanting to work within uh, cannabis and, uh, you know, uh, doing something that was legal, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I got into selling my friend's glass uh, that would uh, at Grateful Dead concerts and fish concerts. I I collected glass for probably five years before that. Not really collected, but, you know, a peace pipe, a pipe. You know, you're smoking your your cannabis, your medicine, you know, your, you know, something that you love and enjoy. And, uh, you know, you want something beautiful to smoke out of uh, if you're a pipe guy. And... You know, so pipes, uh, I always looked at pipes as peace pipes, you know, like the natives. And, uh, you know, it take me to that sacred place where, like you were saying, you know, you feel so good. You feel so lifted and elevated and uh, your mind wanders into the creative realm of life. And, you know, like, you think outside the box. And um, that said... You know, wanting to work in cannabis and be a peaceful warrior, I chose to, uh, I wanted to blow glass, make pipes, and uh, I did that for a few years, and then um, I wanted, you know, I wanted to make pipes for people, but then I got into managing glass blowers because uh, I got in some trouble. Uh, you know, with cannabis, obviously, <laughs> and uh, and then I uh, and then I sh- broke my wrist snowboarding and couldn't blow glass for a living, so I started representing artists. Uh, I actually called my friends up in Indiana and told my friend uh, told them I could sell their glass down here in Asheville uh, because they loved our style and uh, it was fresh on the market, and so. By selling their glass, I started representing them and selling it all over the uh, South. Uh, and I've realized this is what I want to do. 
You know, I want to uh, represent artists and sell their products uh, and get to know people all across America that work in the cannabis industry. You know, grassroots style. I kind of was like, you know, because it's semi-illegal, you know, I can't, like, advertise. I can't market. And so uh, I did it grassroots. I got in my car and started driving all over the country and had the time of my life. That sounds awesome. You sort of, like, you do that, right? Like, that's, you still love to drive around and... You know, I still love to do it, uh, and I do it a lot less. Um, you know, uh, we've, through all the years of, uh, what is it, 20 years now, um, we've learned to adapt. And, you know, COVID was a big game changer for us where it kind of shut down us doing the road and made us focus on, uh, you know, stuff like internet where 10 years ago I would have never done the internet because I would have been uh, afraid of the government uh, coming after us you know I didn't want to be seen didn't want to be known you know but now with where the country is with hemp uh, you know it feels like straight up it feels like coming out of the closet like we can show <laughs> ourselves you know because like straight up man like we lived in fear because of what we did for the community you know we are the peaceful warriors we're the ones uh not not all of us but we have an agenda and that was to change the way people perceive cannabis and cannabis users and how do we do that we do it through dedication through hard work through persistence through love with kindness with knowledge and you know, when uh, when you get resistance, you don't fight it. You learn to uh, accept the fact that today's not the day for this conversation. You know, because, you know, you got to choose your battles. And sometimes you can't argue with someone when they have in their mind, you know, that they're just so right. There's no, you know. So, that said, it took a lot of things. Uh, we want... I wanted to accomplish a lot of things uh, to prove to people that cannabis was not the devil's lettuce, you know. And I did it through time, experience, persistence, all those things I said, you know. Like the love and desire for my community to do things that were illegal but right by man and planet. So, like, what do you... Like so, it it must be really interesting to look at the world as it is today. It's a different world, yeah. You know, and it's only took ten years, twenty years. You know, uh, well, actually, a hundred years when cannabis was outlawed. But you know, from my lifetime, you know, uh, I graduated high school in 1996, and that's the same year California legalized for medical marijuana. And uh, when I learned that, uh, all that, you know, earlier, like I spoke about, uh, it sent me on a path that I need to uh, just be a person that uh, stands up for cannabis. And, you know, I did that my whole life. Still am, you know. Cannabis is probably one of the most important plants uh, to humans on the planet. 
It was interesting to see it in Thailand. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I, I can only imagine, man, because when you were young, this is the shit that would get you locked up in prison, bro. And now people are just everywhere, out in public, smoking it. You, even if you get arrested with it, it's somewhere where it's illegal, like here, um, or allegedly, uh, anything like that, like... It's all alleged. <laughs> well, we're living in one of the most peaceful times known to man. Yes. And that's a great thing to be a part of. You know, it's a great time to be alive. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Carpe diem. It, yeah. Um, live the day, live the day. I love that shit. Um, yeah, dude, it, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you, to have known you, because I've known you for a little while now. Um it's inspiring when you see somebody go after what they want to do and because all it takes is time all it takes is time and consistency and that's right in anything yes. you know if you fail do it again what'd you learn well you learned how not to do it you know it yes. doesn't work that way okay well let's try this way you know you don't stop you get up and you try again you know nothing was ever done uh, instantly <laughs> yeah. you know persistence but it is a great time to be alive and to see how uh, people are treated and uh, you know and it took uh, a lot of time for that change to happen because well because there wasn't two way communication you know like back in those days when they outlawed it one they got it was easier to lie because we didn't have the internet we didn't have phones back then uh, we had radio newspaper uh, TV was just starting to come out mm -hmm. you know uh, but all one-way communication you know billboards all one you know you can't but now we can interact and we can actually call them on their bullshit you know and you know the government's human you know so like they have human characteristics so they do things and they can be swayed to do things for friends or for money or for different reasons. And, and they, they didn't have our best interest at stake when they did that. They don't need to be punished. They need to be enlightened. And that's a big thing about the way our system works nowadays is, is you know, there's so much punishment when that's not what, that's not the best way to teach someone. That's like spanking your kid over and over and over again and thinking that they're going to not do it. You not do things because you spank them. Well, you should talk to them and tell them why not to do things, you know, and ex enlighten them. And then they probably wouldn't do it, you know, instead of, you know, so quick to punish, you know, we, we got to get to opening up our minds and think that, you know, not everyone needs to be punished. A lot of people just need to be educated. <laughs> Shout out that, bro. Yeah. It's one hell of a time to be alive. Um, oh, yeah, man. It's good. Like, one of the, the coolest things in the world, I think, is, like, just all the old broadcasts you can find from, like, the 60s, the 70s. Um, there's this one dude called Earl Nightingale that I fucking love to listen to. Send me a link. Oh, bro, absolutely. One of his favorite thing that I ever hear, uh, or that I choose to hear, uh, because I listen to it pretty frequently, at least once a month, uh, it helps me definitely focus in, 
and it's been a little bit since I've listened to him, like maybe a couple weeks or something. Uh, so I kind of want to listen to him again. But essentially, he says the secret, the biggest secret in the world, the biggest secret in the world is you can do anything as long as you do your best. You become, you kind of let it engulf it. You, you, you become obsessed about it. You think about it all night and day. You, you chase it every day, and it's not easy it's not easy but it's the biggest secret in the world like it is easy anything you want to do it's you just there. gotta do we live in the yeah. richest time there's ever been known oh dude we avocado i can eat an avocado every day if i like <laughs> you know how amazing is that that's pretty damn cool yeah you know like they don't grow in this climate yes <laughs> oh shit i can yeah. get any fruits i want to any any season bro yeah. Like bananas, bro. I eat bananas year round. What the fuck? So you going to Thailand in November? I want to, yes, sir. Yeah, Absolutely. man. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to uh, maybe being there in February. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. I've never been. You uh, you spent a month there? Yes, sir. Pretty dope, huh? Dude, what? it was really cool. It was a, it was a, a really interesting opportunity. Chiang Mai? Chiang Mai, yes, sir. Chiang Mai. Chiang Mai, Chiang Mai, something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's something like that. <laughs> Hell yeah. And you were uh, training there? Yes, yep. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The whole time, twice a day, five hours a day, uh, at least, because I'd always go on a run, and I made sure I was doing all my shit, and I spent time outside, just... Like, I what were you that. doing when you weren't uh, training? Well, at first, I was, like, exploring... Yeah. And I tried to walk everywhere for the first four days, and then I got, like, mad sore. And then I decided to run a motorbike, and I didn't know how to ride a bicycle. Um, so it was it was scary at first. And I spent, like, four hours, probably, honestly, in the hot Thai sun, like, trying to drive in a, in a circle. And then I realized it would be easier to drive in a straight line. And I just... And then, like, Thai parents and their children, they're, like... And then some of these kids are by themselves just... Because there's, like, this, uh, this like, stand right next to the gym. Uh, it's... And they brought the bike to the gym, so I was practicing at the gym. And a bunch of the people that I trained with would come out and be like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> and then uh, these, like, random Thai people pulling up to just get meats after school or something um would pull up with their kids and their kids like even driving bikes and stuff and it's just like laugh bro and i was, I was so frustrated <laughs> I was like, this is the most humiliating check this guy ever. out he ain't never ridden a bike before <laughs> uh dude i guarantee you 90 percent of those people thought i'd crash and die <laughs> did you ever crash no, dude. No. I came close multiple times. Um, Did you get it up to top speed? Oh, fuck no, dude. I, I went fast, though. Uh, How fast do they go? They go pretty fast, bro. I don't know what the, the kilometers conversion is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was I was getting, like, high, high 80s at one point, and then I was like, this is too much. I need to slow back down. And I went back to, like, the 70s and 60s. But we were on, like, just driving a straight highway. And the wind mm. was just smacking me in the face. Mm. And I was not the most well-prepared. And then I wore sunglasses in the dark because I didn't have, like, wind geyser. Yeah, yeah. And it was the most 
horrific thing in the world. I never wished that upon my worst enemy. I was following the <laughs> lights of the bike in front of me that yeah. I knew there were people in. And I, I couldn't see, like, the curves in the road. I would just, like, I'd see their bike curve, and I'd be like, okay. And I, <laughs> I got home that <laughs> night, bro. Uh, I, oh, shit, like you got beat up. Oh, bro. <laughs> it was fun, man. It was so cool. Yeah. And then I got to fight out there, and one of the main reasons I want to go back is because there's just, there's so many opportunities to fight. Yeah. And they're, like, guaranteed fights. Like, I get told I have a fight a week out, and I have a fight the next week. You know what I mean? Like, that's fucking amazing. I didn't know who I was fighting. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know who until, like, I got to the arena, and I saw his name on the paper, and I was like, oh, that's who I'm fighting. And it was so cool. It was fun, man. So you'll do three months over there? I want to. Yes, sir. Yeah, hell yeah. Yes, sir. Like I got a friend over there. I'd like to uh, introduce you guys. I would love More it. like an acquaintance, but yeah. yeah. What kind of stuff does he do? He teaches English, and he's a yoga teacher, I believe, oh, uh, as well. Awesome. I know he practices heavily. Um, yeah. uh, really cool dude. He lived here in Asheville for a while. Um, he... Five, six years, I think, he's been over there. Yep. That's dope. That's yeah. really cool. Uh, I'd love to meet him, man. I like That sounds like an awesome opportunity. Um, Definitely link you guys up. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, dude, like, we were staying, like, 40 minutes outside of the city, so kind of rural, rural-ish area. And, like, some of these kids would look at me, and I'd be, like, the first person of that skin tone that they'd ever seen, or the first person that looks like that, like, uh, like, it felt like I was the first white person, like, some of these people, like, these Thai people had ever seen, uh, like, these little kids. Did it feel good? It was weird, bro. It was so weird. Like, I I definitely knew everybody was looking at me. Uh, So I felt like that a few times. Uh, I was in Jamaica for the first time. And uh, I went to a local's bar, and I was with a man that knew everybody. He was a lawyer, uh, and uh, he'd pick me up at the airport because he was friends with the people I was staying with. And, you know, uh, they do a lot of uh, ride shares there. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, we stopped, and uh, I drank about half a red stripe I don't drink beer uh, and uh, anyway I'm hanging out and everyone's I feel like it you know everyone's looking at me from time to time uh, you know because I'm the only white guy in the house uh, and there was probably 40 or 50 people there oh me and the lawyer the lawyer was white as well but he knew everyone but being with him I was I was good but it was weird mm-hmm. you know it definitely felt odd yeah, dude, but it's fun. And then there's, like, yeah. foreigner markets and shit, and, like, there's big markets, and those night markets are so cool to see, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So the Thai smile, it's real, isn't it? Oh, yes, sir, dude. Yeah. I walk down the streets and just, Swatika, Swatika. That's uh, awesome. And I wish I spent more time, like, in that time period, like, actively learning Thai so I could work on, like, talking to people. Okay, yeah. Um, Are you working on it now? A little bit. Okay. A little bit. I've like I've been doing good ish for. A, I need to get back on it uh, because every day I was studying some Thai, but then I just started like falling asleep when I started studying it because I was doing way too much in the day. 
Is that anything that you could practice, like, while exercising or, like, uh, working out? You know, like, sparring with, like, ropes or anything? Like, practicing your Thai language? If you inter- you know what I mean? Like, just while you're sparring or whatever. Not sparring, but, like, like working out. Just, like, punch Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> like, when you're working out uh, or training, like, you do it in Thai. Like, do it, in, uh, you know, speak in Thai. Practice your words when you're. Is that not really a thing? No. I'll walk in there and I'll be like, "Swatika," and I say that shit a lot. So I, I practice the tonality of it, if that uh-huh. makes any sense. Um, but I need to actively pra- practice it a lot more. It's a lot more easy to pick up like that, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, dude, like I, I look forward to the opportunity. Um, Thailand was really cool and I didn't even see like a huge part of it I didn't even see like the beaches I didn't see anything like that mountains you were in the mountains I was in the mountains bro I went from one mountains to the other mountains on the opposite side of the world what are they called I don't don't know know. yeah yeah I don't know I couldn't tell you similar yes absolutely absolutely like when I went we went on a hike I, I didn't even know I was going on a hike this Sunday, bro. And it was, like, my first Sunday, like, my first rest day, so I really needed it. And I was talking to some guys at breakfast. We'd always meet at this cafe, me and a bunch of other, like, foreigners and stuff and some Thai guys. We'd meet up at this cafe in the morning after training. And you'd talk to other people, and you'd, like, figure out plans for the day. And I thought we were just... I, I thought we were just going like I'm talking to this uh, British girl and uh, this Slovakian guy and Marosh Marosh and Papi Marosh uh, he taught me how to ride a bike he spent like a couple hours in the sun with me the next day when I wanted to return it I saw him at breakfast that morning and he talked me out of it he's like no I'll show you how it's really easy mm-hmm. uh, and he helped me ride a fucking bike shout out him bro he was one of my best friends down there um, but, uh, they just convinced me, like, I thought we were going the same place. I thought we were going straight to the hot springs. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm down to go to the hot springs the entire day. Uh-huh. And then I'm following them and we, we started and like, I, I see signs of the hot springs and I'm like, oh shoot, we're getting close. We're getting close. It was the first time I'd ever like drove that long by myself. Uh, so it was interesting. Uh, it was a challenge and it was adversity I had to overcome. I looked out for every little pothole in the road and it was, like, mm. uh, <laughs> it was cool. But we drove up a giant mountain. There were some monkeys and I was like, oh, I'll get pictures of them on the way back down. But they weren't there. And then we went up like this giant fucking hike, dude. This giant, just straight up. Basically, and just a fuck ton of stairs. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like right there after you climb the first set of stairs, like dragon leading the way up. Uh, you go down into the cave, and it was the cave Buddha met Naga, the dragon, uh, the dragon god or whatever, the snake god or whatever he was. He, he was like a shapeshifter or something, and he met him in that forest, and Buddha Buddha left his hair there. There's like a whole story to it. Hmm. Uh, and we climbed all the way down in the cave, and we climbed deep down. We climbed all the way back up those steep stairs, and then it was like this, like, hour long hike just straight up out the fucking mountain and all of us were like dude we're fucking tired as shit this sucks we train tomorrow what the fuck nobody expected the hike and uh 
then after that we get up to the top and shit and then we climb all the way down and from the top it looked like our mountains like it really did look, look like if you go up to like a really high spot like Cheney Mountain or you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. even Craggy when you just look around in the forestry it's just it's just like that yeah it's nice. just like that and it, I was like this really feels like home right now this is crazy that's like, great I was on the opposite side of the planet and I thought literally dude I was getting nervous I was like, I'm gonna fall straight off the earth I, was, I don't even know what I was thinking and I was like I was like awake and like not high and I was like I'm gonna fall straight off the earth I was like I need to smoke a bowl right now uh, did you smoke over there yes dude a lot frequently. Uh, it, that's right they legalized what a year ago or something they legalized right when I started looking at flights man wow yeah that probably was... boosted the cost of flights <laughs> And Demand. It was, uh, yeah. it was really cool, but Kane's giving us the go, bro. Uh, unfortunately, I ran out of time. I had a bunch of other shit I wanted to ask you, but it's okay. We'll Maybe on. we'll have round two yeah, soon. Bro. Absolutely. Right. Do you have any final messages for the boys in Belgium, the Ashles in Ashbury, any of our listeners? Man, hey, brothers and sisters, just know uh, you can do anything you want to do. Like the Jag said, uh, you know, it just takes persistence. You got to keep going. Um, and know that, you know, when uh, you believe something to be right, stand up for it. Because uh, we got in this mess by not standing up for what's right. And uh, we need to stand up for what's right, you know. Always do the right thing if you can. And, you know, just help out your uh, brothers and sisters. Let's go, bro. Yeah. And then real quick, I want to hear a Jaguar roar. Can you give me a Jaguar roar? Mm, Let's hear how they go. I don't know. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) 